Amen, amen. How many of you all that's a place you'd rather be than in the love of the Father? Isn't that true? Amen. 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 Please uh, take a moment and pray with me. Eternal God, we thank you that that your love does not fail. And God, we thank you that you never give up on us. We thank you, Lord, that even when we are not, you are in constant pursuit of us. I mean, Scripture just lets us know that to be true, that while we were still in our sin, you died for us, God, that, Lord, you are our ever-present help. God, we just, we thank you that you are faithful. And I pray for all of us, God, that that you would set a fire down in our souls. And God, that we, we couldn't help but that when we depart from this place today, that fire is still burning in the depths of our souls and in our spirits that no matter where we are, Lord, we are contagious. That people want to know about you because they see you inside of us so God my only prayer today God is that give us more of you Lord we don't need more more intelligent talk we don't need more events we don't need more programs God we just need more of you so reveal yourself to us God Help us to see you more clearly. Help us to hear from you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to wipe away all of those distractions, all things, Lord, that will keep us from your presence, God, that we may just sit at your feet, God, and listen to what it is that you would have to say to us, God. All of us have Martha's spirits, God, but for today, Lord, put Mary inside of us that our only desire, Lord, is to sit and to learn from you. And for this moment that we have right now, I pray, Lord, that you allow us to do so through the, the love letter that you've given us. Through your very word, your scriptures, Lord, that you design, Lord, that we may have some intimacy with you. So open our hearts to be able to receive from you. The marching orders, Lord, the instructions, the word, Lord, that you have shared so that we may be able to reflect your image on this world. Lord, that we won't be swayed or dismayed by what we see on the outside. We'll know because we know who you are through your word, Lord, that you reign, you rule, you are in control. Even when it seems like the world is out of control, Lord, we will know you, God, because you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So be with us, Lord, in this, this moment. Speak to us, Jesus, for we, your children, are listening. We love you, and it is in your name that we do pray. Let every heart say amen. Amen. And amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.
um, good morning to all of you. Good morning. Good morning. I had this big, uh, big, big deal that I was going to um, to celebrate the Cards and their smashing of Florida State. Uh, and I still would like to, but clearly half of the church is still celebrating. So we're, uh, we're praying for them that uh, they come off of Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. And um, so we may need to put an APB out. Uh, y'all doing all right this Sunday morning? Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Really excited, uh, excited about this new series uh, called If. And, um, and just sharing with you guys uh, as... Uh, Matt mentioned that I'll be leading a group, so if you're looking for a group, especially if you are a parent who has a child in youth group on Wednesday nights, I'd love for you to join me. I'm putting that personal plug in because I have the mic and the stage right now, so uh, I'd love for you to join, join me Wednesdays at 7 o'clock just right down the street at uh, 1212 South 4th Street at Smokey's Beat. See me after service, and, um, and we can move forward with that um, in our series and in this group life as we move further. So I don't have much extra today. I'd love to dive in to the word for today. Is that okay? All right, all right. Well, cool. Um, thinking about this series and just kind of the direction that it was going, um, for those of you all who know me know that I love old preacher stories. Uh, I love the art of preaching, so I read a lot of stuff that preachers are, are doing. And I thought about this story that I read years ago uh, by a pastor named John Jenkins out of D.C. And John Jenkins tells the story. He grew up in an old country town of three little boys who went to this old country store. Anybody ever been to an old country store? Anybody from an old country town where they have old country stores? All right, all right. These three little boys went to this old country store, and here's how you know it's an old country store. They go into the store, and there's a huge barrel in the middle of the floor, and it has a sign above the barrel that says, a handful for a dime. A handful for a dime. And so one of the little boy goes inside of the store. He lays this dime on the counter in front of the owner. The owner says, I got your dime. Go ahead and grab your handful. Well, the little boy goes and stands in front of the barrel with this bag in his hand, but he doesn't move. And he stands there quietly, and he's still standing there. Finally, the owner looks over and says, well, boy, you've already given me your dime. Go on and get your raisins. The little boy just stood there quietly. He didn't budge. He stared at the barrel. He stood there quietly. Again, the owner says, boy, you've already given me your dime. Now get, get, your, get your hand full. This went on for a couple of more minutes, and finally the owner came from behind the counter and looked into the barrel, grabbed the boy's bag, grabbed the handful, and stuffed the handful into the boy's bag. The little boy took the bag and ran out of the store. He gets outside, and his friend said, now why did you have the owner thinking that you wasn't smart like you couldn't read and didn't know what you were doing? The little boy responded, I knew what I was doing. I wanted him to come because I recognized that his hands are bigger than mine. When I think about where we're going for this story and this series called If, I have one purpose and goal in mind for each and every one of you. I want you to know that no matter where you are in life, no matter what you are experiencing, you serve a God whose hands are bigger than yours whose hands are bigger than your situations, whose hands are bigger than the issues in our community. His hands, we know, we used to sing it as a child. He holds the world in the palm of his hands. I want you to know about my God, my God who is great and who is big, and we're going to sit on one scripture for today. And I just want to tell you, if our God be for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? I love in this, uh, this great chapter, we're coming out of Romans 8 and 31, if you want to know the exact verse there. Romans 8 and 31, it's such a beautiful chapter if you've ever read it. 
But in order to really get an understanding of what Paul is pointing out in chapter 8, you first have to go back to chapter 7. Because chapter 8 really doesn't make sense until you understand where Paul is coming from in chapter 7. Let me help to refresh you just in case you don't know or you've forgotten. In chapter 7, Paul makes the case for each and every one of us who are sinners. And I love it. One verse, Paul simply says this, man, every time that I want to do good, it seems like evil is right there for me. It's right there with me. I keep trying, I keep trying, but evil is there. It gets so bad that Paul wraps up chapter 7 basically by saying, oh, I'm just a wretched man. There's, there's no hope for There's nothing that I can do for myself. And if you stopped reading at chapter 7, you would think that that's the end of the story. But you got to turn the page. And when you turn the page, after Paul confesses that I'm a wretched man and there's nothing for me, Paul simply says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in the Lord. He says, there's no condemnation. I'm a wretched man. Evil is always present with me. But however, I know a God who does not condemn me. And so he walks through chapter 8, and he lets us know that in spite of what we are experiencing, there is no condemnation. I love some of the key things there. He tells us one of the reasons why we can still stand is because the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living on the inside of us. Or, 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 have you heard this? One of the most famous scriptures, I love it, Romans 8 and 28. Do you all know it? Do you all know it? All things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called according to our purposes. I love Paul, man, ministering through Romans chapter 8. And he encourages us that no matter where, no matter what phase you are in life, that God is with you. He's going to keep you, strengthen you, be there for you right in the midst of it. And then in our focal verse today, after Paul lays out this case, he simply says, now, what do we say about these things? What things exactly, Paul? Well, the case that I laid out from chapter 7 into now, after I've laid out the fact that we are all sinful and by ourselves there is no hope, but there is a God who is with us, what do I say about these things? Well, basically this, if God is for us, who can be against us? I love this because if you really take a look at it and you listen to the language, it's as though Paul is in a courtroom. And he's almost like a courtroom stenographer, and he is taking down what's taking place. There, there, there's a few characters in a room, if I can let you know. There's a judge. The judge's name is Yahweh. We call him God. The Yahweh God is the judge. There's a prosecuting attorney. We call him Satan, the accuser. And then there is a defense attorney. We know him to be Jesus Christ, the defender of our souls. Paul's the stenographer. God is the judge. Satan is the accuser. Jesus is the defense attorney and Paul's on the sideline looking at Jesus work his magic work it I love it I love it I want you to pay close attention to the roles there because when you look at them what I want you to know what we typically do is we look as, as God as being the accuser but God's not the accuser God is not in heaven condemning you. Paul laid out the case in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who, are lo who love the Lord because we are in the Lord, because we are connected to him. He is not the judge. He is not the accuser. He's the judge. Scripture tells us that he's a good judge. He's a good judge. Satan is the accuser. And he has one primary responsibility, and that is to make you feel as though God is the accuser and not the good judge. But you don't have to worry about that. 
Because the work of proving your worth in the sight and in the eyes of God is not yours. The job of being freed in court is not your responsibility. You don't have to defend your faith. You don't even have to defend your position. You simply have to believe in the defense attorney. That's what Paul says. Paul says, what can we say about all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So Paul poses this question, and when he does, when you really consider what it forces, I don't know about you, but what it forces me to do is to examine myself when I consider the fact that there is a good judge who has, check this out, already ruled in my favor. He's already ruled in my favor. Here's my question for you. How does it feel to know that God is on your side? I mean, when, when Paul, Paul makes the case, I mean, when you read chapter 7, and it's not theory, it's not just something that this other guy wrote. When you read the courtroom notes, the notes of the stenographer, when you read it and you see how things have been laid out and how the judge functions, how the defense attorney operates in your favor, when you read those things and you consider that, wow, I'm really guilty, yet the judge has ruled in my favor. The defense attorney, not only did he work his act, but he shed blood and sweat so that I could be here. When I really consider that, how does it feel to know that the God who created the heavens and earth is on my side how how does it feel or how about this better question how might you live your life differently knowing if you woke up each and every day with the assurance that God is on your side what would work have looked like if you were certain that God was on your side, how would your relationships look differently knowing that God is on your side? How boldly would you have gone into certain doors and certain opportunities? Or, or, or what type of faith would you have entered into certain conversations when you are sure that God, not, not your spouse, not your friends, not, not anyone else, how, how certain would you be with how you live if you knew that God is fighting for you? Because that's what Paul is making it clear. He's, he's laying it all out. He's reporting all of this to let you know whatever you are experiencing, whatever is keeping you down, whatever judgment and condemnation that you feel, I want to let you know you do not have to live that way. Because, God, what do we say about these things? I mean, when you really consider, I know what the enemy does, but when you really consider, what do you have to say about these things? How does it feel to know that God is for you? And if that's the case, there can be nothing that can stand against you. And maybe, maybe you can't answer that right now. So can I give you some biblical examples of people who lived their lives as though God was on their side? Let, let's go Old Testament. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 14. You may remember this story. You remember when God freed the Hebrews from the Egyptians. And they spent 40 years inside of the wilderness. And once they finally made it to the promised land, here's what happened. They sent some spies over into the land of Canaan to see what the land looked like and to see what type of opposition that was against them. And when they got over there, what they noticed or what they came back and reported is that the walls were huge and fortified. They were big. The people were like, they said the people were like giants. They, they've got to be the descendants of the Lewis family. They, they were all tall. The people were like giants, right? 
They said, man, the, 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 the crops are fruitful and all that, but there's, there's trouble in the land. There are giants, there's huge walls. And I love this because there were two people out of the 12 that they sent who had a different perspective. They didn't care about the walls. They didn't care about the giants. They didn't care about any of the opposition. They simply said this in Numbers 14 and 8, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land that is flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. I want you to notice, man, huge walls, yes. I mean, giants possibly, um, whatever it may be, all those things may be true, but the only thing that they focused on is, yeah, if it pleases the Lord to give us this land. God will do it for us. Okay, one more example. One more example. Uh, let's go to Daniel chapter 3 then maybe. Go to Daniel chapter 3 and we meet, we meet really four boys. I'm going to talk about three of them. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in Daniel chapter 3 verse 18, what you'll find out is that these three boys are in the furnace about to be burned alive. And the conversation before that, because King Nebuchadnezzar was upset because they refused to bow down to his graven image. And so when they got to the point where their lives were about to be taken from them, they were about to be burned by a furnace. And before they would bow down on their knees to the graven image of Nebuchadnezzar, the three boys said these things in tandem. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But I love verse 18, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. I love that, and I wish the people of God would get it, but even if he does not in their spirit, that I am so certain about my destiny with my Savior, that even if today this moment right here does not work out the way that I planned for, what I will not do is change my attitude and my posture towards God. Because I know that God can, I know that God will, and if he does not, I still will not bow down to the circumstances that I am experiencing today. That's, that's what it is. It's, it's about life. We just experience things, right? And it ain't always so deep, so life-altering that you're depressed or things. Sometimes irritating things just happen, right? It's the little things, the nagging things sometimes that discourage us. Scripture tells us it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. So it's not always that earth-shaking things are taking place. Sometimes it's just, I'm just tired of the phone calls, tired of the text messages, tired of the negativity. Things get on your nerves, right? But I love it when I look at the story of, of the oyster. And it's irritating existence every day. The oyster deals with these minerals and particles that fall on its back. It's, it's irritating to its skin. And so every day it's been day in and day out shaking off that which irritates it. Shakes it off every day. Every day just trying to make it to the next day. Shaking off the dust. Shaking off the particles. Shaking off the irritating thing. And it's that process of it's fighting the irritating situations of life that pearls are made. One of life's most precious jewels are created because the oyster refused to give up and to just lie there and allow the irritating things of life to get the best of it. And I believe that's a great illustration for us. There are irritating things that happen. There are conversations we're tired of. School gets tired and hard. Work gets tired and hard. Problems come each and every day. And what the Lord is looking for us to do is have the posture of the oyster. We just shake it off. Because he's creating and developing something in us that we can become more like him. This is what Paul is talking about. Throughout the entirety of Romans chapter 8, 
just wanting us to know that God is on our side and he's working things out for us. And so the more I think about it, I think that Paul was more than just a courtroom stenographer. I mean, when I really read it, I, I think that maybe, maybe Paul wasn't simply dictating. Perhaps Paul was the defendant. And he was sitting there listening to the accuser, the prosecuting attorney, Satan. And he was sitting there listening to Jesus, his defender. And he was sitting there watching the good judge rule in his favor. And he saw that I am here and I have freedom, not because I've done anything well, but because the accuser's case wasn't bigger than my defender's. And that the judge looked past all of my faults and saw my needs, saw the blood that was shed in my favor and saw that I was worthy of being here. And I believe this to be true because if you go to the end of the chapter, verses 38 and 39, you'll, you'll see these words, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will, able be, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul says, now that I recognize the entirety of my own story, and I see everything that the Lord has done for me. I see how he's worked things out in my favor, the mistakes that I had. Not when things happened to me, but how about when I made things happen? And even in the midst of that, when I see that the Lord has been working things out for me, I am convinced that there's nothing that I can do, nothing anybody else can do. No angel in heaven, no demon in hell, no person on earth that can separate me from the love of God. Because the love of God will keep me, will sustain me, will help me to be exactly what the Lord created me to be. So my question for you again, after Paul lays out this entire case, and you see that the accuser has no power, that his case has been thwarted. After you see that the defender is constantly working on your behalf, and you see that the good judge has already ruled in my favor, when you wake up tomorrow, and when you engage the world, when problems come your way, and when people talk about you, when negativity comes your way, how will you respond when you know that God is fighting for you and that God is on your side? If God before us, who can stand against us? Well, according to Paul, nothing, absolutely nothing. That's what I want to encourage you with today. That you wake up tomorrow, write it down on a piece of paper, stick it to the mirror, stick it in your rearview mirror in your car, and claim that for your life, God is fighting for me. And I want you to live with the Romans 8 and 31 mentality that God has already ruled in my favor. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you. God, help us. Help us to not allow the report of the accuser to ring louder than yours because Lord I'm guilty of it too our tendency is to look past the good things that you are doing 
and to amplify the voices of the accuser of the negativity. But God, help us. Help us to scream it loud. Help us to combat the negativity of social media. Help us to combat the negativity of family stuff. Help us to combat the negativity of work and school and relationships with an 831 mindset that none of this matters because God is for me. So none of this has a chance of being against me. And God, we know this to be true. Because this work you accomplished in one perfect deed, which allows us to have life. You did it on the cross, Jesus. And because of the blood that you shed, nothing the accuser says, nothing a demon can say, nothing that comes against us, God, can withstand the power that you accomplish on the cross. And so, Lord, as we gather at the table, may we remember your broken body. And may we remember your blood that was shed. And may it strengthen us to exit the doors with an attitude. That when I consider this, what, what can I say about these things? That if God be for us, who can be against us?